Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we answer your questions and interview thought leaders in health to transform your body, mind, and life with cutting-edge science and common-sense wisdom. Let me ask you this before we get started. Were our childhood heroes like He-Man and even Captain Planet all jacked up on steroids? I'll tell you what, if you do a quick Google on it now, as an adult, it makes you wonder a little bit. Those guys are totally, totally full of muscles. Anyway, we're here today with Noel Tarr and Stephanie Ruper, co-hosts of the Well-Fed Women podcast and authors of the newly released book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, to get to the bottom of all of this. If you've ever suffered through body image issues, disordered eating, or even exercising too much, this episode is definitely for you. Noelle is a nutritional therapy practitioner, certified personal trainer, and a new mom. And Stephanie Ruper, a past guest to the show, as you know, uh, she created paleoforwomen.com, is the author of Sexy by Nature, and much more. Now, before we get to the show... Here's the review of the week. This one just came in from Michelle. She says, I'm an athletic 49-year-old mother of three, struggling with the same 15 to 20 pounds time and time again. Perimenopause has been quite the challenge, but your approach is working. It's the first thing that's worked in seven years. Wow. I listened to your blog, and I want to say how great it was to hear you interview uh, from last year, Tommy Whitaker. It was pretty effective to listen to a regular guy talk about his experience with your methods. All of the guests are great, but I find it particularly refreshing to occasionally hear from one of your followers. Kudos. I also want to express my appreciation for your flexibility in your approach versus dogma. Fear-mongering and dogma led me down the path of orthorexia a couple of years ago, and that appears to be a growing risk in our culture. Thank you for your work. I'm beyond excited to be seeing results so quickly and will continue to be a follower of your show and work. Sincerely, Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much. But uh, you're right. You hit on a lot of very important points there. When you finally get results without the dogma, your progress is all your own. It feels different that way. It gives you a lot more freedom, I would hope. Uh, it sounds like that's what you're experiencing now. Uh, so kudos to you. And also, we'll be talking a little bit more about orthorexia uh, in particular on this episode. Uh, so be sure to be uh, listening for that sort of uh, topic here today. Now, uh, if you're listening to this and you enjoyed the wild diet or you transformed your life in some way by following this show, I would love to hear about it. Uh, probably the easiest way to get in touch is to go to fatburningman.com and sign up for the email list. That way you can email me at able at fatburningman.com and send your story. You could also just type that in, able at fatburningman.com. Um, I read all of them, uh, obviously, with the amount that come in these days, I can't feature all of them, but I really do appreciate them, uh, and I promise that I am reading. So uh, if you'd like to send in your story, please do get in touch, and I would love to hear from you. Now, I have more big news from you. I know a few of you may have been wondering uh, over the past year or so, what happened to Abel James? He hasn't posted to Instagram in a year and a half. Did he pit his, quit his podcast? Is he ever coming back? All these questions I noticed have you know popped up on social media in one way or another. So here's at, at least uh, part of the story, part of the short true story. Uh, in the past 
year or so, Allison and I, you may know, we moved up here to the Rocky Mountains. We're at 8,000 feet now, so it took us a little while to adjust, not just to the altitude, but uh, the new style of living because we were setting up the new studios. And uh, I swear, we did not have internet for, I think it was eight months, six to eight months. We had no uh, internet, more than our phones, obviously. We, we still had that. So uh, that becomes interesting when you're building internet-based businesses and, and podcasts and uh, especially multimedia-heavy things like YouTube and, and all of that. But anyway, uh, I appreciate you bearing with us. And now we're back. We're releasing a ton more stuff. Let's get into that a little bit. Um, so during that time that we didn't have internet, I've been secretly recording more than 400 360-degree music videos, as well as hundreds of 360-degree virtual reality adventure tours. Uh, we also created our own new health company called Wild Superfoods, and I'll be releasing a new 360 or VR music or adventure video every day for the next year. In fact, right now, I'm recording this in 360 virtual reality video. So if you want to check that out, uh, go to ablejames.com. I'll be posting a bunch more of those. Uh, but anyway, you can watch on your, your phone, your tablet, your computer, or even your virtual reality headset. You can look around the entire room, the studio, or wherever we're adventuring around. So some of those places, I just posted up a bunch of uh, 360 video tours from Yellowstone National Park. We're going to be posting more from the Grand Tetons, Dinosaur National Monument, uh, a volcano in New Mexico, the real-life Oregon Trail, and tons more. Uh, I'm also releasing many, many music videos in 360 virtual reality, and uh, people have already been enjoying those. Uh, so make sure that you tune in if you're interested in any of that. Uh, just visit Able james.com that's a-b-e-l james.com we're doing a bunch of giveaways and uh, a ton more really cool surprises will be coming out on ablejames.com now for the health stuff as you guys know and anything related to this particular show it's always going to be fatburningman.com as i mentioned we also relaunched uh wild30.com and that's going to be the home for all of our educational uh, health materials. So be sure to check that out. And uh, of course, there's Wild Superfoods, which is uh, our new venture into the world of health supplements and foods as well, hopefully down the road. So uh, getting into that allows us to do this show and create all of this content and hopefully be able to pay the bills by being our own sponsor. Because uh, as you know, especially in the particular particular climate that we live in today, uh, taking on outside sponsors, whether you're, you know, a, a person who's behind the mic like me or whether you're a platform or anything in between, taking on outside sponsors can get a little bit weird. So uh, we're really excited to start our own family business and be able to pay the bills that way. So if you'd like to support us and you live in the U.S., sorry, we're only in the U.S. right now, uh, then check out wildsuperfoods.com. So at Wild Superfoods, these are the supplements that Allison and I have been taking every day for, for years now. We've been testing all sorts of different kinds, and these are our very favorites that we're now able to share with you. Check it all out at wildsuperfoods.com. All right, on to the show with Noel and Stephanie, where we're chatting about 
why wild animals don't worry about dieting, problems with ketosis, how finding the edges can help you find the sweet spot, why the Special K diet was a very bad idea, and much more. Let's go hang out with Noelle and Stephanie. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. You may know that I'm not a big fan of most supplements. It's hard to know if you're getting what you paid for. And even worse, many supplements, juices, powders, and greens we've tried taste terrible. For example, have you ever noticed that most powdered vegetable mixes taste like fish tank? Don't even mention fish oil supplements. Once you've had fish burps, it's hard to trust that brand again. So that's why Allison and I have spent the last three plus years creating wild superfoods. And it's our goal to give you the very best nutrition the world has to offer. Now you can get the concentrated nutrition of 15 organic fruits and vegetables plus six other superfoods in one extremely convenient ready-to-go package. We call it Future Greens. And if you're looking to improve your health, performance, and well-being by doubling your intake of fruits and veggies without the sugar and carbs, you're going to love it. With Future Greens... You can whip up your daily green drink in less than 30 seconds, no matter where you are. The certified organic stevia gives it a subtle sweetness and it tastes great in water or juice, and we think it even makes our green smoothies taste a whole lot better. It's made with certified organic, non-GMO fruits and vegetables to aid in detoxification, balance your body's pH, and give you a boost of clean energy without sugar, caffeine, or the dreaded crash. No junk or artificial sweeteners, and just one gram of sugar per serving. With the tasty wild berry flavor, you and your kids won't even realize you're eating broccoli and 20-plus powerhouse fruits, veggies, and adaptogens. So if you want to try our brand new creation from Wild Superfoods called Future Greens, we have even better news for you. As a listener of Fat-Burning Man, and it's proof that you are because you're listening right now, you can actually get a 20% discount to try Future Greens yourself. Just visit fatburningman.com forward slash greens to get 20% off when you select subscribe and save. Once again, just visit fatburningman.com slash greens to check out Future Greens and get your special listener deal. We'll see you there. Welcome back, folks. This is Abel. We're here today with Noel Tarr and Stephanie Ruper. They're the co-hosts of the Well-Fed Women podcast and authors of the brand new book, coconuts and kettlebells. Noelle is a nutritional therapy practitioner and an NSCA certified personal trainer. Stephanie is the creator, of course, of paleoforwomen.com. She's been on before. She holds a bachelor's degree from Dartmouth College, Go Big Green, a master's degree from Boston University, and is currently completing a PhD at the University of Oxford in England, smarty pants. So today, we're actually in three separate time zones, separated by oceans. It's quite incredible that we can do this. I'm so psyched to have you guys here. Yay. Thanks yeah. for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. So there is a lot to dig into with both of you. But the first thing I'd like to talk about is, you know, basically the main thing that sticks out from your book, which is, I think, most health, diet, fitness books they really focus on limiting things, giving you a minimum amount of points or foods or what have you that you uh, can eat, mostly making your life miserable. You folks do the exact opposite. So tell us a little bit about why that is. Yeah. So 
we have both been in the health and fitness space for several years now and sort of seen it go through these changes and seen low fat diets being, yeah, low fat diets, low carb diets, like low this. First, it was 1,800 calories a day to diet. Then it was 1,500. Then it was 1,200. And we're like, how much lower can you go? Right. And so also, like, especially when we're talking about things like carbs and fats, I realized, we realized that everybody has like a different particular need. And so what we should be doing as opposed to like saying, you know, you just have to cut this out is, look, let's all meet like a bare, like a minimum of what we need of all of our specific macronutrients. Because like physiologically your body, like it can use some protein, it can use some carb, it can use some fats. Mm -hmm. We can talk about ketosis in a minute. Oh, we will. (laughs) We need these things, right? We need these things. And then like on top of that, it's like, okay, let's just fill in with everything else that we want and stop thinking like it's so psychologically different to think about your diet in terms of like i can't eat more than this as opposed Mm -hmm. to like i want to eat this much i want to like make sure i eat this much and then like if i eat more okay you know like we just we punish ourselves for eating more but maybe we should be celebrating it especially if it's of like the high quality you know really nourishing stuff absolutely noelle you want to add anything Yeah, I think this concept, which Stephanie originally came up with, which is what we're coining, like meet your minimums, is really focusing more on adding more nutrients to your diet. And I think that one of the things that women experience, not to say that men aren't, haven't been, you know, involved in this or or been under this sort of, you know, restrictive mentality, but like in our society, it is all about how little can you eat? How much weight can you lose? How much can you work out? And that's really what we base our um, worth off of. And so we have a lot of women in our community who are just eating too little. Mm -hmm. And it actually causes a lot of physiological issues because not only are you not getting enough calories, you're also not getting enough nutrients. And so what we're really trying to focus on is let's have you meet these minimum requirements of fat, protein, and carb, which we think is a great general baseline for everybody to start with. And then you get to decide based on what works for you, your physiology, your conditions, your diseases, your hormonal um, issues, what to add from there. So if you add more carb, that means you're going to follow a little bit more of a higher carb diet. If you add more fat, that means you're going to follow a lower carb diet. And really we teach people how to figure out whether or not like what to do with that and and how to figure out which is the best way to go and how to create like a a plan that works for them and also how to know that you know because at the same time people are like well how do I know if I'm eating in a way that works for me and so that's kind of where we came up with the minimums and helping people figure out if there's certain foods that may be causing issues like gluten and dairy and, and refined oils and stuff like that. But you guys didn't just like make this stuff up. You've been through the ringer. You've tried a ton of different <laughs> things, right? Do you want to just share like a couple of little tidbits for the people out there? Yes. Me in particular, I mean, we both come from a paleo background. And like, we learned so much from that. And our podcast was actually called before the paleo women podcast, but, um, particularly, I mean, both Stephanie and I have been doing this since we were, you know, 
young teenagers, which most women have, you know, sure. in, in junior high and high school, we've, we've, that's when we start dieting. And I have done everything from, I mean, I, I did have a lot of disordered eating issues and stuff like that. And that was all stemming from, again, trying to restrict and restrict. So eating really low calorie, of course, eating low fat. I mean, that was the thing of the late nineties and the early two thousands, low carb, intermittent fasting, you know, paleo and I'm sure Steph has tried a lot of other things too, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we're, we probably yeah. have everything covered. I did the special K diet as in like really? the breakfast cereal, not the yeah. street drug. Yeah. Uh, and now you're going to be a doctor. Of, <laughs> of philosophy. Oh, yeah. Even worse. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's about right. But I like, I did that because special K had a diet because special K with red berries was for women. <laughs> I remember like, trying that. Maybe I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, do what makes you happy. There's all these like women in like their skinny jeans on the back cover, you know. But yeah, and you like you could have a bowl for breakfast and a bowl for lunch, and then at dinner you could have like you know greens, <laughs> basically. So, but how is that different psychologically than how you both are eating now? Yeah. So it was for me a long road with a lot of patience for myself and a lot of like serious reckoning, you know, learning exactly what I'm doing and why mm -hmm. facing up to like the demons we have in our culture and that we've internalized for our own personal circumstances. And nowadays, again, it, it took me a while, you know, but now like I just had for dinner with my dinner, like a piece of cake or, or two. <laughs> Mm. Uh, so I live on the Oxford University campus and they make really nice cakes and friends buy them. And then if you don't eat them, you're rude. Right. So anyway, like, <laughs> but I can do that and then like continue. Whereas what I would have done in the past and I'm sure Noel would have done is after you eat a piece of like a lemon custard pudding as they would say here in the UK, then you would like feel terrible about it. And that would make you either want to skip your next meal or go for a 10K run the next day, right? Like there are all these behaviors that we would have to make up for it to remediate like the crushing guilt I would feel and fear that I was going to gain weight and then nobody would love me mm -hmm. or whatever. And then you would do that thing and then you would like get really hungry or be obsessing about the fact that you couldn't eat and then that would make you want to eat. And then it just all, you know, it cycles into itself. Um, something that's just really widespread and really, really unfortunate. And so if you sort of, de if you like learn to be comfortable with the idea of gaining weight, if you learn to be comfortable with the idea of like trusting your body, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, I think every, everybody fears that if you don't really restrict, like everything is going to go to pieces. Right. But if you learn to trust your body, if you just like, take that step and you can take it really slowly, you know, take the steps really slowly. If you do that, then you learn like, oh yeah, I can eat cake and it's fine. Mm -hmm. I'll just eat again next time I'm hungry. Fine. And it's just, it's so liberating and empowering, you know, how much energy we waste, how much of my energy, my life I wasted, like feeling bad about myself. I just, I refuse to do that anymore. I don't have time for that. Yeah. And you're not the only one. No. Noel, how's it different for you in, in terms of the different things that you tried, maybe as a teenager, the way that you were eating or the way that we're all kind of brainwashed into thinking about eating or not eating? How How is it different now, uh, now that you've kind of strategically arranged the way that you live based on experience? 
Yeah. I think the best way to put it is that food and fitness does not control my life anymore. And the, and it used to, and yeah. I can't tell you how many compliments I used to get about how healthy I was and how, you know, mm-hmm. how healthy I looked and how lean I was and how, how good you are. You know, you're so good on like, how are you always so good? And it kind of just fed that ego. And, and a lot of women get and they kind of feel like, oh gosh, this is the thing now. Like this is where my worth is involved in how much I ran yesterday and how little I can eat. Right. And so that honestly controlled my life. And that's where I found my power was in this ability to hyper control my foods. And even when I eventually moved into eating paleo, it was still very much a disordered relationship with both food and fitness as opposed to, or instead of seeing food as a way to just nourish my body. And well, I, you know, I saw it that way too, but it was still a, a very like I wanted to control everything because I perceived that if I could control my food and I could work out all the time and all the things I would control my body I could control the way it looked and I could therefore control what other people thought about me and they would think that I was super you know whatever hot or lean and or they would think that I had some sort of like that I was better than them and as like I got a little older and I met my husband and I got married it was kind of like a a switch for me, I kind of was able to pull back the curtain and see what was going on and really realize that my, most of my actions were driven by shame and shame that was coming from uh, media. A lot of media is you like get rid of that flabby, you know, back fat and get rid of your cellulite. And it's really designed to make us feel terrible about ourselves. And honestly, um, you know, with the past of dieting, with the past of having family members, you know, I was exposed to a lot of dieting growing up. I just thought that that's what you needed to do and that your worth as a human being was in, you know, your ability to control your food and your fitness and the way that you looked. And so it was really empowering for me to be able to unpack all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I looked around, I saw so many other people in this cycle, which we do call the we call it the shame cycle in the book, which is I love that diagram. Yeah, yeah, you tell yourself, I'm not eating hamburgers anymore because whatever, hamburgers aren't whole 30 or hamburgers aren't what, you know, whatever, it's not paleo. Sure. So I'm not going to eat bread anymore. And so then you like restrict all bread and you don't eat it. But then, you know, our, our mind works in incredible ways and it is designed to keep us alive and to keep us fed. And so when you start restricting something a lot, and this is more intense for some people and not others, but when you restrict something, not with the mentality of, I'm doing this because I feel better doing this. Like, for example, I completely avoid both gluten and dairy because I feel so much better doing that. But if I were to say, well, I'm just going to avoid hamburgers because XYZ diet says I shouldn't do it. And we, you avoid and you avoid and you avoid, you can't stop thinking about what you're trying to avoid. Yeah. And eventually that restriction, whether it be you're trying to eat super low calorie or you're only trying to eat, you know, you're trying to eat no carbohydrate, you're trying to eat a bunch of fat you eventually get to a breaking point, most people do, where you fall off the wagon and you say, I have to have the hamburger, I have to eat carbohydrate again. And you do, and then you feel like crap, like Stephanie was talking about, and you feel guilt about that. And so then you have to remedy that guilt. We can't sit as human beings, we hate guilt and we hate shame, and so we want to get rid of it. And the best way for people to get rid of it is of course to tighten the reins again, and you know, get back on that wagon and say, I'm gonna this time I'm not gonna eat hamburgers or fries and you know, further the restriction or go out and work out, you know, 
two hours the next day and the whole cycle starts over again because what are we doing? We're restricting, we're over-exercising, we're kind of creating the situation in our body where we're just hyper-focused on food and fitness and eventually we're going to fall off the wagon again. And so that is the shame cycle for us, which we're trying to break free, uh, people free from. And we're trying to say, look, there is no wagon, you know, you're not on or off. Like life is a journey. And so if you end up eating a piece of cake, you can just go about your day and eat nourishing foods and not feel guilt and beat yourself up about it because, you know, that emotional turmoil is so detrimental to your overall health. And it does cause chronic stress and it it can cause chronic health issues. So it's all about really combining physical health with with mental and emotional health and really seeing that as something we should both, we should be pursuing together as opposed to just trying to do everything, sacrificing our mental and emotional health to pursue physical health, so. I love that was that. a really long answer. Okay. <laughs> it was an excellent answer. <laughs> Incredibly thorough. But it just highlights a point that I'd like to make. We uh, Coming up on a year now, we've been living in Colorado in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by many more animals than people. And <laughs> if you watch any animal, you know, we, we feed a lot of the birds, suet or uh, nuts and seeds and Whatever, really. And our dog oftentimes will eat the, the bird seed and the, the deer and the elk sometimes come by. Skunks come by sometimes. They spray outside our windows. But never has any of these animals had thought about food like that. Not, like Not at all have they ever been a head case about food, worried about eating too much. They've worried about eating too little. That's probably as much as they've ever thought about it. Or like, this is a delicious peanut. But like, how far are humans from that psychologically when our bodies are basically the same? You know, I I just think that that's kind of a startling thing to admit about ourselves. But you have to admit a few things before you can make progress. I think that's one of the biggest stepping stones you have to get over to really improve your life is admitting that maybe you didn't have all the answers beforehand, right? Yeah, that's fascinating. And something that we talk about a lot, especially coming from like the paleo perspective is like, what is the body meant to eat? Like how is what we're doing physically different from what humans used to do physically? But also like there were so many rich emotional ways and there are some people who do get into this, but there's so much about who we are psychologically that's different. And I think you're absolutely right. Like animals do things very naturally, you know, and they don't have anxiety except for very specific reasons. And we're in like a specific and very good reasons. Yeah. And, and we are like in this soup of all of these different concerns that we have to manage. And primary of them is like feeling good in our community, not dealing with shame and guilt, feeling like people will love us. I can't like, I, I know I said that about myself, but like we hear that in our Like you just see that in women, you hear it in our communities all the time. Like everybody's just so desperate to be validated and affirmed. And um, that's just starving yourself. We're like the the first people ever to think that starving yourself is, is the way to do that. You know, like you said, people would worry about not, we might've worried about not having enough, um, which is sort of key to what we're trying to do to switch for people. Well, especially for women, right? Just the idea of X amount of calories. I think in your book, you said like 1200 calories is the amount that's recommended for a three-year-old. Is that right? Something crazy like that. And then a lot of people are trying to eat, a lot of women especially are trying to eat less than that on a daily basis for extended periods of time. And a lot of these people call themselves 
healthier, like you said, Noel, they are praised by their friends or family or the people around them for being so good. How do we get past that? I don't know. I would love, I wish I had the answer. I mean, that is essentially why Steph and I started the podcast is we wanted to bridge the gap between let's get realistic here and let's also pursue health. Let's pursue health in a way that is about health and not about how can we manipulate our body so that we can feel you know, better or look good according to society's standards. And I really do think it starts with not wrapping morality into food, not seeing food as good and bad, just seeing it as everything is, is okay. And there are foods that are more nourishing and there are foods that aren't. And if you engage with foods that aren't and do so in, you know, intentionally, that's not going to like end your life. Right. And so like, I think in paleo and in whole, like the whole 30 crowd and all of these diets, which are great concepts, we get really hung up on the small things. We get hung up on like carrageenan and, and I get it. I understand that there are some things that are processed and synthetic and things that we generally want to avoid, but long-term I don't think the carrageenan in the coconut milk is going to be what we regret at the end of our life, right? It's not going to be like we look back and think, gosh, I wish I would have just gotten cleaner coconut milk. And so it's really about just trying to really have a more balanced approach where we see our emotional and mental health as something to really pursue just as hard as we pursue nutrition and what type of fitness we do. In other words, making sure that your food and your fitness is enjoyable and that you you love it and it's it's something that's a part of your life, not controlling it. So now how yeah. about how has the I guess idea of having an ideal body composition changed? Because when most people kind of get into health or fitness, they have that in their minds. Of course, as the years go by and life circumstances change, uh, so does your idea often of what your ideal body would be, your ideal health would be. So how has that changed for each of you? Mm. Well, this is a really important and interesting question because we do a lot of work on morality and food, on self-love, psychology of eating, but we're also not against weight loss and we're not against like making changes to your body, including your physical appearance. I think that eventually that's something that we can all do in a way that is psychologically healthy. And I think that it's very key to acknowledge that we believe in these things in part because they're efficient, right? Like we're not just saying it is important, right? But we're not just saying that self-love is necessarily the end of the road. It is also like really important for your physical health. And in the long run, if you choose to like sustainably maintain like a healthier, quote unquote, healthier or more normal or whatever you're, however you're discussing that, whatever words you choose, weight. And so, yeah, for me, slightly different, like I have managed my weight throughout my life and I used to do it in a way that was very, painful, right? Very emotionally painful. Nowadays, it is much, uh, it's much easier. Like my body really likes to add fat to it. Like it's just, it's one of those, you know, I'm like a polar bear. It's like, mm. sure. <laughs> I'm looking over at my closet right now, like at all my dresses, you know, our audience knows that I have many. And, <laughs> and, and nowadays, like, yeah, I do have to be a little bit careful to just make sure that I keep these dresses, 
you know, and, and I'm happy, I'm happy where I sit. Yeah. But I also have come to take pride, like made the choice that for not just for my sake, but for the sake of the women around me in my life and like girls that I meet, right? Young, in, young people, impressionable people yeah. that I, I can't like for their sake do that. Like I can't, I don't want to like contribute to that rat race, right. you know, contribute to that competitive cycle of like, oh, I have to be the leanest woman because I also like Noelle, women used to come up to me all the time and be like, wow, you look so intimidating. You know, I remember a man. <laughs> that doesn't uh, sound like a compliment. <laughs> look, but, but, it, <laughs> but it felt like it, right? Cause they're yeah. like, wow, like look at your body. This guy's like, wow, you have ve- like, I can see the vein on your stomach. Right. You know, that's so like badass. But I was like, st- I was starving myself. You know, and I, I don't want to do that. And I want to be able to set an example where mm-hmm. I don't look emaciated, you know, mm-hmm. where I, I don't even necessarily want to look like I'm like a fitness buff. I don't want to maybe fit into this quote unquote ideal sure. uh, precisely because I want to just like exude comfort and like not that I don't want to have that controlling impulse because people do like pick up on these things. They're so subtle. Yeah. I'm sure like so many people who have young kids notice this too. Like it's so easy for people to learn, you know, how to be this way. And so for me now, like the ideal way to be is um, committed to my work, you know, passionate about helping people, whatever. And yes, like taking care of my body and trusting it. And I do like sit and feel comfortable and attractive mm-hmm. enough you know, like enough to then like go out and be a good human. Yeah. You know, we're all kind of brainwashed to some degree in terms of what is supposed to be that ideal, right? When we're growing up, just thinking, not that the ideal is always Barbie, but it's something like that. The proportions are like that. And for, for men, me growing up, it's like, who are my heroes? Who do you see on, on TV? Arnold Schwarzenegger? Cause he was like a hero to my older brother. He was just jacked on drugs. <laughs> uh, he man, Looks like he was jacked on drugs, too. Even Captain Planet looks like he was taking steroids or something. Right. So the idea that like a dude would come up to you and be like, that's a cool vein on your stomach is because we're all brainwashed, too. Right. It's like we have this ridiculous idea of what we should look like, that we should be strong. And it's it's almost like women are taught to starve themselves and men are taught that if they don't eat more than the guy next to them, they're not as much of a man. And uh, so there's this weird thing where we all kind of have to grow out of it, but also admit to ourselves that maybe those aren't the ideals that we want to, like you said, pass on to the next generation. So I appreciate that, that there are examples now, especially uh, people in the health field like, like you guys who aren't bringing that obsessive mentality to the whole thing, right? Because there is this, especially when it comes to fitness, more is better idea more starving yourself or more more drugs to make your muscles bigger or whatever you know ethically challenged people might be (laughs) thinking and taking advantage of when it comes to the brainwashed masses so anyway i'd like to shift gears a little bit because there's so much hype these days i think you know we started around the same time our blogs and and and, uh, later podcasts and the internet has changed. These communities have changed. These movements have evolved or devolved. And there's so much hype now, especially around keto. And uh, I would love for you guys to riff a little bit on that because I have a lot of beef with it these days. 
a lot of people are getting into it for the wrong reasons, doing it the wrong way. And marketers have really taken advantage of it. And, and I really worry about women in particular. So I, I'd love for you to riff on that a bit. Do you want to be angry first or shall I? I'll let you. <laughs> we thought that we we thought we were over this. Yeah. We did this already. Like, so right. like Abel said, we did. It was like six years ago. It's yep. been six years. And ketosis was like a thing six years ago. Mm-hmm. And paleo was like a very low carb movement, right? Yeah. Like back back then it was like it was low carb. And then a couple of years into that, and I was fighting for this as well once I realized like what I had been doing. Mm-hmm. I we began to advocate for like, oh, you know what? Like carbs aren't the end of the world. And then people were like, oh, hmm, like maybe some people can do really well on carbs. And we're like, okay, cool. Like we've arrived at the promised land. We make the Paleo Women podcast. Like we're just chilling out. We're like <laughs> sipping our margaritas with lots of sugar in them. And then, and then it just like, we got, we, and then it was there, you know, like it didn't even come slowly. Ketosis just like, bam, it was back. Right. And it's, so it's With just, products around it this time. That was the difference for me is like yeah. the endless amount of coffee bombs and fat bombs and powders. And I mean, like you guys probably get this too, but I have so many things that are sent like to the house or the office or whatever. that are just garbage. It's like, who would ever... Well, not even buy this. Who would ever consume this? What is this? Mm, Just because right, it says yeah. keto on it? I don't. I don't understand. Anyway, that's that's a mini rant right there. Uh, it was it was uh, majestic. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, like what what did you say, Abel? Like the cream cheese diet? You know, like yeah. there's a difference between quality and controlling your macronutrients. And I fully believe that ketosis can be a very healthy intervention for some people. Sure. Right. Especially if you're working with like brain chemistry issues yeah you know like that is at the top of the list and then like yes some people if you have like a if you've had a significantly higher body fat percentage for like the majority of your life like yeah you know and other can others sure try it if you want but why 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 is controlling a specific macronutrient more healthy than making sure that your body has all the vitamin a b c d you know minerals like all of these things in your body like your body, like we eat things. Carbohydrates are a very nice source of fuel, especially if you're like really active. There's just, we learned all of these things. And yeah. we learned all of these things. And to reiterate, we're not saying like everybody has to eat a lot of carbs. Maybe ketosis works for people in your audience, people anywhere. Like, absolutely. But just like acknowledge that it's not the thing that necessarily has to work for everybody and that you will probably be able to be very healthy even if you're not doing ketosis. Yeah. Don't pee. Yeah. Like, why do you have to pee on sticks every day and brag about <laughs> how many, all your millimolar action? I mean, seriously, it's ridiculous. And I think that's a great point. It's like, why would you define, it's a very American thing or a Western thing where you're defining what you're doing by this tiny little piece of it, right? Like, I'm keto, I'm in ketosis. I tried <laughs> peeing on sticks a couple of times. I'm like, I really don't understand how people are doing this every day. And also, what is the, you know, a lot of people would give me crap because they're like, you're a fat burning man. You can't eat vegetables and starches. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is what we've been saying for seven years now. Like, people love to think that these new fatty things are cool. But the problem is it's not even like ketosis is not a fad. 
it's a state of the body that we're in sometimes. And so the people who are getting into it think that they're keto because they're buying more keto products or they're eating more cream cheese or eating more butter or what have you. And so it's, it's a big problem because like I was saying before, like that skunk and those animals have never thought about any of this. They hardly ever put on weight. Some of the ground squirrels are putting on some weight though because of those peanuts. But like for the most part, wild animals never have to think about it. It's no problem. And we are nuts about it and so easily brainwashed into thinking that the next hype or, or the next big thing is going to solve all of our problems. It's going to be like you said, the promised land when in fact... <laughs> the whole time we should have just been eating our vegetables, I think, right? Like our parents told us way back in the day. I think too, for like our whole thing is for women, like the female body is so different from male physiology because we make and produce children. And right. so our hormonal, we have a whole, whole different, um, hormonal response to these changes. And so we have these women who are kind of just especially now it's like every other person is, is a keto expert and they're right. leading people into this way of life without really understanding the potential damage and, and like pitfalls that people go through. And so we have a lot of women who are like, yeah, I'm keto, but now I, I don't have my period, you know? Right. And so they lose their fertility, their court, they kind of are suffering from like chronic cortisol because now they're eating or they have thyroid issues because they're not eating enough calories and or they're eating so low carbohydrate and it's not right for their body. And, you know, I'm a person who it's not right for my body. And I just got all of my blood work done with my functional medicine practitioner and my metabolic numbers are fantastic. And I eat a relatively, you know, higher carbohydrate diet. Of course, it's all quality carbohydrates, but yeah. there's such a huge difference between high fructose corn syrup and sweet potatoes. Right. And so I feel like a lot of times it's like we everybody throws the science out, like, look at how unhealthy these high, high carbohydrate diets are. And it's like, what were they eating? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of crap. And so if you, if you really want to live healthy and our whole thing is sustainably too, it's like, what's sustainable long-term? Is this what you want your long, like in 10 years, 15 years down the road, do you want to still be peeing on sticks? Do you still want to be eating bacon and butter for breakfast? Like, right. is that cool? And if you do no, like, and that works for you and you feel really good doing that. Great. But we're kind of more about like, let's, let's think about what's sustainable. Like, what are you going to want to be doing in 10 or 15 years? Are you like, that has to work into it as well. So yeah. And how do you yeah. feel too? You, I, I mean, right. being physically active is really tied, tied into being a, a mentally healthy person. In a lot of cases, 30 minutes of exercise is basically the equivalent, according to some studies of taking pharmaceutical antidepressant drugs. And that physical activity is directly tied to uh, fueling yourself and nutrition and all of that. So if what happens to you, you guys, when you go too long without carbs or, or you've not really hit the numbers that you need to hit? You know, I actually, like I, I still, like years after I have started eating more things, I still suffer when I don't eat enough. Mm -hmm. I have a trouble sleeping at night. Like I wake up in the middle of the night if I haven't eaten enough. And if I go 10 hours without eating, without eating, like during the day, being active during the day, and sometimes I can have fat in there and this still happens, I get breakouts. And I've worked very, very hard to make my skin like 
recover from what I did to it in the past because it used to be like really extreme acne and I worked really hard at it. But now like I'm, I know very well, like what happens to me. And those are two things that happen to me. And I never try. I know that things would not end well if I did that for a longer period of time. And I have, I have zero reason to like Noel says, like, you know, there was a period of my life. I went to paleo effects one year and I went on stage and I was like, I eat 12 apples a day. And I wasn't even lying. Really? And <laughs> I wasn't yeah. there for that talk. <laughs> no, no, you, no, you like, weren't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I, I was probably like, yeah, 12. 12 was about right. It was, wow. I, it was a part of my effort to eat more without gaining weight. I used to eat a lot of fruit. You have to find the edges before you find the sweet spot. It took, yes, it did take me a while to find the sweet spot. Um, and I did. There are now no apples in my diet. But Zero anyway, apples. I know. My life is uh, tragic. No, now I have like bananas and grapes, which used to be on like Steph's fat list. Right. And now I eat them abundantly. So. Okay. Yeah. Profess. <laughs> it is. Um, I don't remember what point I was making. Oh, my <laughs> metabolic numbers were great. Mm. You know, and maybe some people need like the help of something like ketosis. But it's also sure. important to bear in mind that like long term ketosis is not going to solve your insulin resistance problems. Right. You know, like it can help you control them in the short run, it can help you keep your, you know, your your levels lower. But in the long run, what we need to do is reduce inflammation, yeah. um, you know, heal your gut, do that sort of thing. Okay. And that will like provide a basis for you to be able to eat carbs in the long run. But if you like just stop eating carbs, it's not actually going to like heal your body. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point. And you don't want to jump into any of these things without really knowing what it is. And and I think the vast majority of people who do that, you know, they're trained by the media machine to at most read the cliff notes version of some diet on someone else's website who like stole their content or whatever and turned it into this little caricature of what it's supposed to be. And then it's like, I'm whatever. But I mean, didn't we learn from Atkins? What's the difference between Atkins and keto? Has anyone even asked themselves that recently? Because even if you look back into the history of it, the original Atkins didn't even omit vegetables according to those original books. So it's just, uh, it's so easy to get carried away. But one of the things I loved in particular about the approach to your, your book is the bread lover and butter lover thing. Can you guys talk about that a little bit? Yes, we can. I love these phrases. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a little bit of back and forth with our publisher about what how we wanted to label whether you're a bread or a butter lover. And what we mean by this is like a carb or a fat lover, yeah. Um, and we sort of identify. I'm the carb lover, obviously, twelve apples a day. And Noel was the was the fat lover, and we cutely label them bread and butter. Um, we don't. It is cute. We don't talk. Yeah, uh, yeah. We try, but it's <laughs> <laughs> we do what we can. Yeah, and just like helping people figure out like what works best for them. Maybe you're not somebody who's meant to be doing ketosis. Maybe you know. I'm definitely not. Noel, is there? <laughs> yeah, well, so yeah, there was a lot of back and forth about bread and butter, mostly because bread and butter is not included in the program because the whole idea <laughs> is to test foods out, right? And so we tell people, let's pull out the big four, which is gluten and dairy and, and vegetable oils and mm-hmm. refined sugars. And those are really the big issues that we see cause the most 
physiological issues with people. So remove those for four weeks and we have meal plans. And this is the real, I think, genius behind what we do is meet those minimums and then follow either the bread lover meal plan plan or the butter lover meal plan. The butter love butter lover cheese meal plan <laughs> is a higher fat approach. And that is the meals are more fat heavy and it's just a, it's just a lower carbohydrate approach. Yeah. And the bread lover is a higher carbohydrate approach. And of course we talk about quality and what that means, but we give people the freedom to experiment with, do you want to follow a higher carbohydrate diet or do you want to follow a higher fat diet? And here are some of those physiological conditions, which are great for people. Like it's great to follow maybe a, um, a higher carb diet. If you are trying to get your fertility back or you are pregnant and or nursing, you know, mm -hmm. there you, you're going to need a higher caloric and a higher carb, your, your needs going to go up or you're, you doing a ton of workouts. You're doing a lot of high intensity workouts. You're going to need more carbohydrate. And so we give people guidance. Hey, this is when you want to eat a higher carb diet. This is when you want to maybe experiment with a high, with a um, higher fat diet. And then we give people the freedom, meet those minimums, Meet your minimum caloric requirements, which we say is around 2000 calories a day. Of course, that can change a little bit based on the person mm -hmm. and your activity levels. But like, let's shoot for that and focus on healing and nourishing your body and eating more fat or eating more carbohydrate based on how you feel, what works for you and your physiological conditions. So it's just giving the people freedom to take back the power to create their own you know, create the food, like, you know, and also, you know, focus intuitively. And I love that Steph focuses on this, but she's like, what makes you happy? You know, like, what do you enjoy? Right. Cause that has to be factored into it. And so that's kind of, you know, the whole shtick. So. Yeah. It's, it's like, what do you like? A lot of people are pretty quick to take on the identity of, you know, paleo or keto to use those examples, but fewer people, it seems really identify the things that they like. Like, do I like the fattier, more indulgent foods or do I really like getting my carbs on? Um, that's the question that I ask myself fairly often, uh, depending on how I feel, right? Cause sometimes I, I eat sourdough bread. We've been making that recently. Really like old school oatmeals sometimes. Not every day, not most of the time. But I can say that, you know, Steph, to use your example, it's that slice of cake, right? You put that next to the 12 apples and it's like the 12 apples have way more sugar, way more calories, way more, you know, all those numerical things. But even more so, it's like if you said no to that cake, you're being rude to the people around you in England. And you're also, like you said, depriving yourself of something that you really want. So it's like, don't think about the white polar bear. And all you can <laughs> think about, right, is that polar bear, or that cake or what have you. So it's important to see food as also kind of like a, ri a ritual offering to yourself, to your own psychology. What is going to make me a little bit happier? What's going to make me feel good? Not in an that can easily be taken advantage of, right? But it is important to, to save a little bit for yourself, for your own sanity. Because, uh, you know, back in the day, let's see, let's go back to the 1950s. Most people did not have weight problems like we do today. It's not like two-thirds of people were overweight or obese. It was a much smaller number. And everyone was, you know, making pies and eating bread and having a bunch of flour and fried food and stuff like that. We need to go a little bit deeper, more meta, more into the psychology of it and the emotion of it like you guys do. So a tip of the hat for the work that you guys are doing, not just the, the podcast, but, but 
all of it. I know how much <laughs> work it is. And um, it's very much needed now, I think, more than ever. Steph, I think you could probably, it's just because what, the first time you were on was maybe five or six years ago. I do get a bit frustrated by the lack of progress sometimes. So it's always great to get back in touch with people who are doing really great work. Likewise. Can I tip my hat to you real quick? The first time, the first time that I have, I ever came, like heard Stephanie Ruper was on your podcast. Abel. Really? I was searching for podcasts that had women that were talking about paleo because all this was six years ago because I really only knew about Rob Wolf yeah. and I found the balance bites podcast and I found this woman named Stephanie Ruper and I listened to her and I was like, I gotta, I gotta talk to this girl. We're on the same track. I want to be, I want to be working. <laughs> that said, is so cool. We, we got to do something together. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I thought right that was, on. I was just thinking about that. Like right before we started, I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I found Stephanie on, on Abel's podcast, so hats to you. Wow, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's different now, but we need good people to keep on keeping on, and I really appreciate it. So we're coming up on time, but let's see. I, I, there were so many things that I wanted to ask you guys about. Let's talk for a second about the cultural differences. And Stephanie, it, it, you can start this one off. The cultural differences in, in eating or in body image or whatever comes to mind between the U.S. and the U.K. or Europe and the U.S., well, I think it, I, I mean, I think it would vary a lot more and it varies between every country. I think the U.S. is like really anxious about a lot of things that other people in the world like aren't or yeah. aren't in the same way, you know, like, and I think that's because of the abundance there, right? There's this culture of like more, 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 more. And then we have to say less, 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 less to ourselves, right? Because we're being tempted with all these products and then we have to deny ourselves. And that happens less the places that I've lived and traveled, you know, okay. like, um, I remember I, uh, I lived in, in Beijing for a little bit in Taiwan and there you would get like a suite and then I would come home to the States and I would like have a candy and I would just like, you know, wow. clench up because it wakes. It's so, so, so sweet. Right. And the, just the, the culture of abundance is, is really not, not the same and here there's just so much more like i'm in a dining hall and we all sit and eat together like every day mm. you know it's like harry potter yeah actually yeah and and so yeah there i mean there's a lot of differences but those are two two really important ones that is important losing the like i was saying before the ritual of eating is really sad in america when you go to other places and they literally pray before any single piece of rice you know, lands on their tongue. It's so fundamentally different. But I would definitely encourage people to travel, especially to more exotic places, because you start to see that the, the truth that we're all raised in in America is not so much truth in other places. It's very much dependent. And also, in fact, it seems like Americans more than ever have been kind of uprooted from all of their traditions. And it's really encouraging to see them them maintained in other places. Right. The idea that eating should be a cultural event, that you should be somewhat reverent when you're eating instead of thinking like, oh, this is going to make me fat. Right. That's the first thing that most Americans think of if they're even thinking about what they're eating. Right. It's just like this is going to make me fat. And these are the healthy people. So uh, let's see if we can sneak one more in. Do you guys have any like little rant that you want to get out? Well, <laughs> I'm sure you guys um, do. I will keep my mouth shut. I, I, <laughs> I know you have them, Steph. 
I can do a little rant. And I think what I'm starting to come into now, I just had, a, well, I didn't just, I had my daughter, she's a year old um, oh, this past year, and it's been a totally life-changing experience. And one of those things has really been, I think, you know, I was, I was really into fitness before mm -hmm. and I've had to pretty much take the whole last year off, um, just to be brutally honest. And it was before I used to find my identity and like what I was lifting and how much I was working out. Right. And it's really been eye opening to, um, take the rest and not like you said, get fat or, uh, lose my identity. You know, I, I, I'm able to find my identity in other things. And I think our culture, especially this whole like CrossFit culture that we have now, and I did CrossFit for years, so I, I'm not knocking it, but, yeah. um, it's about going hard and doing more. And I just want to just give a little ode to rest days and taking your rest when you need it. And sometimes that means taking a month or two or three off yeah. or a year, um, depending on, you know, what health conditions you're dealing with. And if you had a baby and if you have free time, because exercise is stress and in the presence of chronic stress, it can do more stress. And mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, we do, I do talk about that in the book. I have a whole chapter on fitness and, and just about how to create a routine that is again, conducive to your life and works in your life, not what's that person saying that I should be doing and instead saying what's going to work for me today. And some days it's sleeping in, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've really, it's a huge thing for me. And I think it's one of those things that I'm trying to push a little bit more, which is it's okay to have seasons off. It's okay yeah. to have seasons of rest. And in fact, we need it as human beings. Um, and I think that it's, that's actually, if we look back in our history, like my grandmother wasn't, you know, eating keto and doing, doing CrossFit and, and my grandparents, you know, my grandmother's still around in her nineties. And and so that's not the secret. And, and I think it's actually more so in, in resting and getting full recovery. So yeah, get that sleep, get that rest. Absolutely. I can vouch for that. I didn't record a new episode of the show for almost a year and a half. This is the first week that I'm recording new episodes. I didn't post to Instagram for a year and a half. I didn't post to almost anything wow. for like six plus months. Didn't have internet. And, uh, that, was so important. I do that every like few years. It seems like you just kind of take a break for your own sanity to revisit the things that you love, whether it's exercise and eating a certain way or cooking or recording shows like this. It's really important to honor your own mental health and your own emotional health, because if you're not totally believing in it, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, whether it's dieting or something like this, then it's not going to work out that well. It's not going to do you any favors or anyone else any favors. So it's uh, really important. Now we now we are out of time. But um, before we go, can you guys both please tell us where we can find you and also the book Coconut and Kettlebells? Okay, this is Steph. You can find me at paleoforwomen.com. Our podcast is Well-Fed Women. We're very charming and nice. <laughs> if you so. can already tell. <laughs> Come listen if you want. No pressure. Um, uh, go on. Yeah, and my website is coconutsandkettlebells.com. All written out. The book is called Coconuts and Kettlebells. It's available August 7th. Um, you can pre-order it now anywhere books are sold. Beautiful. And there, are, can you just explain a couple of the quick things that are in the book? Yeah. So it is really kind of your one stop. We tried to make it a one stop shop. So the first half of the book is about food quality. It's about what something we call the four by four, which is experimenting with foods, figuring out which ones work for you and which ones may be causing um, negative health 
consequences or symptoms. And we do talk about our whole focus of macronutrient minimums and meeting your minimums and how to know how to create a plan or a food plan. You know, are you a bread lover or a butter lover? And then the second half of the book is recipes, 75 really simple and easy recipes that you can create. They're, they're all just really simple because that's how I have to live my life. But they're they're great and the whole family will love them. They're recipes that you can follow on the four by four. And then the last chapter is a fitness plan to go along with it. So lots of photos of Noel in that part. <laughs> a lot of exercise demos. Yes. <laughs> they're helpful. They're super helpful. They are. Yeah. Actually, I have the diagrams up right now. You've got a kettlebell on your arm just like that and you've got a wonderful smile on your face. Yeah. Well, thank Noel, you. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are very charming. Love to have you back anytime. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. Let me ask you this. How many servings of veggies have you had so far today? Hmm. How about this week? Like it or not, recent studies show that 9 out of 10 of us do not eat the recommended amount of daily fruits and veggies. Now, if you're one of those uncompromising health nuts who gets more than 10 servings of veggies a day, you can ignore what I'm about to say. Now, for the rest of you, listen up. If you're looking to improve your health and increase the amount of nutrition in your diet with fruits and veggies without the sugar, you're going to love our new creation called Future Greens. Future Greens is packed with vitamins, minerals, and filling fiber from whole organic veggies, sprouts, algaes, and berries, including kale, beet, parsley, collard greens, cauliflower sprouts, broccoli sprouts, spirulina, chlorella, blueberries, raspberries, and much more. We think it tastes great, and we even heard that some kids think that Future Greens taste pretty good, too. All of our products at Wild Superfoods are lab-tested for purity and potency and formulated according to the latest cutting-edge developments in research, science, and medicine. We have extremely high standards when it comes to our health, and we know you do too. Guaranteed nutrition, no matter where you are. That's our promise to you. So check out Wild Superfoods, and please get in touch to tell us what you think. Just head over to wildsuperfoods.com to get the scoop on Future Greens, and you can save 20% when you select subscribe and save. All you have to do is visit wildsuperfoods.com to get the deal. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fat Burning Man. If you liked it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, the podcast app, or wherever else you might be listening to or watching this show. Got a second? Please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I always love hearing from you. And if you think someone else might like and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or with a family member. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at FatBurnMan and Facebook by typing in Abel James or FatBurningMan. Drop me a line anytime. Did you know that I've recorded over 150 episodes of Fat Burning Man, winning four awards in independent media and hitting number one in more than eight countries? And here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode for free. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a second to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes in video and audio versions for all the past episodes of Fat Burning Man. 
Better yet, enter your best email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free fat burning download straight to your inbox and make sure that you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.